Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. Plus. This week, it's Season 2, Episode 3, starring Mr. Television himself, Milton Burl. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppet Stational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And here it is, people. We're three episodes into season two, and it's Lewis's first hungover recording. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has won money on that. I'm sure, yeah, we should actually, maybe we should put on Twitter before we put these episodes. Have a bet on what episode Lewis, the first episode that Lewis has where he's hungover. Yes, last night I was at a, a club night for the other love of my life, Madonna, and uh, I fell asleep on the sofa. <laughs> I, when I got home, not a sofa, <laughs> it's the club. <laughs> I mean, you might have fallen asleep on the sofa in the club, we will never know. Well, I, I, if I could remember the end of the evening, I'd be able to tell you. <laughs> the last song I remember hearing is Dear Jesse," and then after that point, it all becomes very blurry. <laughs> oh dear. How is everybody? Good. It's been a bit of a long week, but I'm okay. (laughs) Emma has her hair in a sort of sassy 90s updo, looking somewhere between a member of the Babysitter's Club or um, uh, Pebbles from... Yeah, I I think I'm rocking a very Pebbles vibe today. (laughs) Do you think you're Bam Bam, Lewis? My head feels like it's Bam Bam. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm... I'm that weird uh, pig muppet they have underneath the sink in the Flintstones movie who's like, (laughs) that's how I feel right now. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. The Flintstones movie was on ITV2, of course, uh, last weekend. So it's kind of fresh in the mouth. Yeah, I was like, like, how have you remembered that Muppet? Like, that would not be... What a strange family film about embezzlement. (laughs) It is. Like, it's funny. Some of the, like, 90s family films, you look back at them now and you think, hmm, questionable. (laughs) Jumanji scarring. I hate Jumanji. Jumanji is a classic. I know you two don't like it, but I love Jumanji. It makes me so sad. Um, (laughs) Yeah, me too. He's trapped in there for so long and then his parents are dead. (laughs) Yes, but then they reverse it. And then that lady has to have so much therapy. But I never got to that bit. Spoiler alert, but you should go back and get to that bit. (laughs) (laughs) And then Emma and I have a very emotional connection to a little princess, which is a haunting haunting. masterpiece. A masterpiece. It is. It's gorgeous. Many a time sitting on our patio, me drawing a chalk circle around myself, trying to feel like a poor little rich girl (laughs) (laughs) trapped up in my attic from uh, Miss Minchin. I screened a little princess in London and invited Emma to come and literally had this like pages long text message from her about how traumatic (laughs) she finds the film and how she could not bear to come and watch it. So I was like, I was like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to come. I just remember that now and I remember being like oh dear (laughs) oh I'd love to see that movie on a big screen it was a really really lovely screening but we did have one little girl who was she wasn't very old at all probably four or five and she just started bawling 
at one point and didn't stop for about 15, 20 minutes. And at the end, I went over to her mum and sort of said like, oh, you know, is she, is she all right? And she was like, yeah, she's fine. She's just really empathetic. She feels things really, really deeply. She said she does it like all the time at everything. It's like me being there. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I didn't have the heart to be like, that's like my best friend. She's coming to meet me later. Because <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't sit through this. I think that's what that little girl's going to be like. Unlike your four-year-old. Yeah, she's, she's now going to be like, never again. Oh. oh. That girl who plays the lead is now like m- super rich and married to a very old Ooh. guy. I didn't know this. Yeah, I looked it up on Google. <laughs> well, she obviously didn't want to become like the little princess either. <laughs> well, <laughs> she became a different, she became daddy's little princess. Yeah. <laughs> right, oh. should we talk about the Yes, Muppets? sorry, we should, yeah, this is not a little princess podcast. <laughs> No, because you two couldn't handle that. <laughs> I love the movie. I could quite I could quite happily watch it all Fine. the time. Why don't I own it on DVD? Emma couldn't I handle couldn't that. handle it. <laughs> anyway, so, right. Anyway, Jade, why don't you kick us off with a little production information? I'll do some production information. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 14th of October 1977. It was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson, and Don Hinckley. And this, for the first time ever. Directed by Philip Casson, I think is how you say it. It's the first time we've had a different director who's not Peter Harris. So, yeah. So Peter Harris and Philip Casson, I'm going to continue to say the name like that. They are the two directors. Casson? It's either, yeah, it's either Casson or Casson, I guess. How's it spelled? C-A-S-S-O-N. Casson? No, because it's not double O, so... I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, but this is his first episode, so that's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And Emma, now we've had our big uh, rambling journey through 90s family movies. Let's uh, (laughs) take it back to the golden age of television. What have you found out about Milton Berle? Uncle Milty. Uncle Milty. (laughs) Uncle Milty. So Milton Berle was a comedian and actor who had a career that spanned over 80 years. He was... Um, in vaudeville um, he was on stage radio silent movies then he moved into sound movies and nice <laughs> sound <up>. movies, <laughs> sound <laughs> movies. <laughs> moving <laughs> pictures um, and then tv and basically he just became synonymous with the launch of the televisual age in america and he was essentially the sort of first inductee into the television academy hall of fame and he had his kind of variety show which was called the texaco star theater show <laughs> whoop, whoop. which he texaco. yeah and apparently um they said that between the time that it was on air they noticed that like i think it was shown on like a tuesday evening and they were saying like during that time period in america like everyone would be in watching his show. If you had like a restaurant, you know, you'd have like a quiet hour or something like that. It was like the zenith. And he was credited with the increase of TV sets being purchased and things like that. And interestingly enough, because it was like sponsored by Texaco, he had a 30 year contract with them. So even when the show ended... God, they owned him for yeah, life. he was with Texaco for life. <laughs> but it just meant that I hope he... he got like free gasoline or something. <laughs> yeah, so that I thought that was quite interesting as well. And he was in that film, It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, yep. directed by Stanley Kramer, which has got obviously Ethel Merman, Sid Cesar, Mickey Rooney, 
Spencer Tracy. And if nobody's seen It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, but you have seen the episode where there's a cat burglar in uh, The Simpsons, the last five minutes of that episode is basically a play on It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Ah. Fun fact. So yeah, and also in the early 90s, he released a senior Get Fit video. I mean, everyone. He did. It's, you know, what you need to do. It plays at the Florence Henderson Retirement Community. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) Um, And then he passed away in 2002. I mean, Jade, when you told us to go and read uh, Milton Berle's Wikipedia, good Lord, I didn't know I was sitting down to... Uh, I was about War to say. Peace. Yeah, I was about to say to read Moby Dick, impl- talking about like the length of the Wikipedia entry. But it could also be about apparently Milton Berle's prestigiously enormous penis, which was extremely well known. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what? What? It's got to be something when it gets its own power, like it, it gets its own yes. su- subheading on your Wikipedia. <laughs> Good lord. He also sounds, from what I've sort of looked up, he also sounds like a jerk. But uh, but it seems it's a shame because he comes across really well on the show. The bits that I'm really kind of struggling with is he was obviously this big, larger-than-life character, clearly very funny, like, for his time. I'm not necessarily saying it tracks completely now, but clearly, you know, very of his time and also obviously moved in all these amazing Hollywood circles. And I was also reading that in later life, he raised tons and tons of money for charity Mm. because he essentially would host galas and different events and things all around Hollywood, raising loads of money, which is amazing. But yeah, then seeing stuff about how, you know, how he treated people on his, on his shows. And also as he got older, he clearly became quite insecure about his waning star and Mm. would basically sort of, cut people off or try and cut in in award shows and grab the limelight for himself and things like I mean I don't know clearly he obviously probably needed to go and speak to someone about that Mm. but uh, just like I don't know it's really quite difficult to sort of I guess from this perspective to like untangle all of these different facets of his character not being particularly aware of all of the different things he did. I mean, I don't know if you two made it down far enough on his Wikipedia page, but there's a section about when he hosted SNL, which I thought was absolutely fascinating and bizarre that he tried to turn it into some like 40s, 50s style vaudeville show and Lorne Michaels basically banned it from ever being on screen ever again because he thought it sullied SNL. That was crazy. I don't, like, what? Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah. And then the whole thing with uh, the rumours about his... uh... Enormous wang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all very, very peculiar, isn't it? (laughs) Quite the tangled web for some sort of a therapist to, 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 to unweave. <laughs> the other thing he founded, which I thought was really interesting, and I found a few YouTube videos as well, was he founded the the members club in Hollywood that held the roasts, which is obviously oh, the sort Friars of continued. Club. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, that was his club. So interesting. Yeah, I mean clearly a very, very influential, groundbreaking, still I'm sure to a large extent seeing his legacy come through in various ways today, Mm. but not without issues either. Well, let's uh, jump into the uh, jump into the episode. Uh, Obviously, we're getting our classic scooter opening. I loved this because I tell you what, I love a big powder puff. (laughs) 
was amazing. It's nothing funnier than just going. <laughs> it's always funny. Do you know what that Muppet was called? Is it Timmy Monster? Yeah, Timmy Monster. <laughs> what oh. is that? To be, I can't. I didn't even really. Well, to be fair, I had one. I had just about, like craned one eye open while I watched this. <laughs> when I came to, uh, <laughs> but all I could see was the powder puff. I've always wanted to be like. <laughs> By a powder puff. It was such a huge powder puff as well, wasn't it? That must have... <laughs> must have been quite heavy. Who could that be for? <laughs> Timmy Monster, obviously. Of course. <laughs> Although he didn't look like he was wearing much powder. I'm sinking again. Oh, no! Jade... <laughs> Jade has a, uh, a uh, non-functioning <laughs> office chair. And Jade is just slowly sinking it out of shot. <laughs> Oh, bye, Jay. <laughs> oh, it looks like it's six bye. more weeks of winter. The groundhog's staying in, in its hole. Hold on. Let me just... Oh, oh. When I heard that clink, I thought it was another wine bottle. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> Hair of the dog for Lewis. I was thinking about making a margarita just to try and like... Oh, a margarita? <laughs> yes, because it's tequila and it's lime juice. It's like peppy. <laughs> All right, Judy. <laughs> Life feels like... Oh, that's Liza. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. Did you see they're bringing out a... Um... I think we're going to have plenty of material for any... If yeah. we need any bloopers. Yeah. Um... This is totally unrelated to Milton Bell. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about Little Princess, so it's fine. Did you see they're bringing out a Judy Garland perfume? What? Like, that no. for her 100th birthday, they are bringing out a perfume. Because I saw an interview with... Liza and Lorna on Entertainment Tonight, yeah, where they're talking about it, and literally, like, Liza goes, it smells like mama, <laughs> like, it smells like pills. <laughs> like, I, just... I was gonna say, I was like, mm. Although it immediately makes me want to purchase, I'm like, I want to smell like Judy Garland. How did they know what she smelled like, though? Well, I suppose, I mean, they know what she... I think it's based on a perfume that she used to wear okay. back in the day. Right, fine. Yeah. I just didn't know whether like Liza had gone to some perfumer. And gone, <laughs> no, I like... think somebody approached them, but it was okay. just very odd to see Lorna and Liza just <laughs> propped up on like folding chairs and chatting to entertainment tonight about Judy Garland perfume. <laughs> oh. Smells like mama. <laughs> it's like, okay. oh. Oh. Is this the uh, first time we get a hi-ho from Kermit. No, I think he did say it a couple of times in the first season, but I clocked it too. It was it was nice that he got a little hi-ho in there. Yeah, it was good. that was a good. It's the first time I, uh, uh, I clocked it. Yeah. Well, as we know, <laughs> you're not often awake for the... Uh... <laughs> I, look, my dedication to this podcast cannot be doubted. <laughs> Emma's giving you a look that suggests otherwise. I'm here, aren't I? I didn't cancel. Yeah, I filled here. in I... the doodle poll before anybody else <laughs> to work out the times we could do this. Emma's the one who can't do weekdays <laughs> because she's tired <laughs> on account of her diabetes. Shall yes. <laughs> <laughs> we? Uh, Shall we get cracking and talk about the ugly song? Yes, let's. Which was our opening number for this episode. If you're ugly like me, you're in good company. 
There are millions of us who are ugly. <coughs> Emma, how did you cope with this song, uh, considering there was Muppets with big hanging mouths? <laughs> I know. The visuals were very scary. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the first thing I thought was like, oh my god, we're back to the drawbridge mouth. Drawbridge mouth. What are That's they doing? A much better way to put it than just big hanging mouth. Yeah, I think it was Emma that came up with that, yeah. which I like. Yeah, I know. I like when we had that opening shot of like me, Mama, and the drawbridge mouth. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, if you had, if you got given the choice between having to hang out with a muppet with a drawbridge mouth for ninety minutes or watching a little princess, which one would you choose? <laughs> I think I still choose the muppet. <laughs> God, that movie really did a number on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really did. It's so emotional. <laughs> it's the only way I know my seven times table. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn any French though. <laughs> a great endorsement for our primary school that that's how you learn the seven times table. <laughs> uh, I found this number, this whole thing, just a bit odd and just a bit lacking in that Muppet finesse. Hmm. I found the staging really weird. All of the frackles and the monsters seemed to be getting in each other's way. And then some of them were really, really close to the camera, which yeah. obviously made sense when you then saw that they essentially swallowed. Well, you know, it was made to look like they swallowed the camera. But I'm sure they could have still started from further back and then come in or, you know, move the camera and move them at the same time or whatever. It's just a bit uninspiring, really. And I wasn't really into it, I guess. The gimmick of it just being... Oh, they eat the camera and then we pan back out and we're out of yeah. the mouth again. Yeah, it was a bit sort of um, repetitive. But uh, mm. I did, uh, you know, I suppose there's a bit of body positivity in there. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the 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 sort of general message of... <laughs> ugly is in. I'm ugly, but I'm beautiful. Yeah. Is, and I quite like that the lyrics were all about the the ugly people outnumbering the beautiful people <laughs> okay <laughs> did you uh, did you notice though i i couldn't stop thinking the um the warthog that popped up looked a lot like one of the sort of tribes people from muppets treasure yeah, island yeah i thought that definitely that's all i could think i wonder if they were consciously recreating that kind of puppet when they came up with those puppets for muppet treasure island oh yeah maybe or maybe they just sort of <laughs> had it somewhere back in the uh yeah. yeah. In in the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. He was just like in the warehouse and they were like, ah, ha. Push aside a, a dusty Wayne and Wonder and find a, a warthog pig. And they're like, ha. <laughs> the, the one thing I did quite like about it was Mean Mama's eyes and ears moving around and wiggling around and everything. I thought that was quite cute because she is obviously a very large, pretty scary looking Muppet, but that added a bit of, bit of softness to her, Indeed. I thought. What a big hearing aid. <laughs> I guess, is that what they were like in the 70s? I, I mean, I couldn't tell you, Jade. But uh... <laughs> that was That was my thinking was just like, maybe that's what people had to take to their theatre. I don't know. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah, it was. It was enormous. And to have to carry around like the box and the wire and yeah. everything. You might as well have just hold, held like an old timey like, gramophone <laughs> tube. Horn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it was a bit of an odd runner for Statler and Wardorf that it was all essentially, other than their main sketch with Milton, mm. which we'll obviously come on to, everything else with them was around the hearing aids. I feel like so far this season, they've basically not been able to watch any of the shows properly. 
you know, whether it's that they've just been watching TV, not paying attention, or not been able to hear the Muppets. They're just... <laughs> Why are they there? No, exactly. <laughs> it's like they've invested in their bogs. And... <laughs> that's it. They just want it for and the... That's it. We've got a go. Comfy seat. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the Muppet Theatre has other shows on <laughs> than just the Muppet Show. Or do you think they're just like, we are the only thing that... Do you, do, like, do they get a touring production of Hairspray in, you know, <laughs> for like five days and then it's back to the Muppet Show? <laughs> like, it's cats doing a regional tour, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like... <laughs> it would be pretty hilarious to imagine Statler and Waldorf turning up thinking that they're going to see the Muppet Show and getting ready to heckle, and then some big amazing touring production. I thought you were going to say, and some big girl stage. walks out and starts singing Good Morning Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> I want that All chubby that. communist off my show. <laughs> no, I got it wrong. Let me do it again. I want that chubby communist girl off my show. It's my favourite line. Today, feeling the same way I always do. Oh, don't know where we're going. <laughs> I was gonna say we know you did, Lewis. That was... <laughs> but yeah, what did you both think of this week's backstage runner? With Fozzie nervous to meet Milton and just, I suppose, just chickening out of. Uh... Well, I don't know. Was it was it mainly just that he knew he could didn't live up to him as a comedian? I think it was that rather than worrying that Milton wasn't going to live up to the hype for him. I suppose. <laughs> I don't know, but it was absolutely adorable. It was. <laughs> it was so so cute. Fozzie was just the right amount of um. He wasn't too sad sack. He was just nervous about meeting a comedy. It's comedy idol, I guess. Yeah, it was really really cute. When he started behind that big load of sequined material and the mask at the beginning, I really was like, who is going to be under there? And then when it was Fozzie, I was like, oh! I know. Fozzie's got lost in the costume department. Gonzo actually got some stuff to do at the beginning of this runner. He did. Although it was very confusing to him say Uncle Milty before knowing that that was a uh, a nickname that he used from... uh, uh, a line from his TV show. It's <laughs> like, are they implying that Gonzo is related to Milton Bell? <laughs> I know. I did. I thought the same as well. I was like, okay, <laughs> Uncle Milty. I can't remember if it was in that section. I think it was. But when Gonzo's eyelids moved, did you both notice that? Yes, yes. They said. I think this was the first episode. Um, I think I read it where he had his like mobile eyelids and also his telescopic eyes that moved yeah he looked a lot better he did didn't he he got a brow lift (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was really cool when his eyelids went it just gave him so much more expression Mm. than Mm. and and i mean just his eyes being more alert and awake they were so sad in the first season weren't they i think they're they were they're so much more gonzo now yeah but yeah it was nice to see his eyelids go i was like oh i was like okay Again, we're getting there with Gonzo, slowly. It was only tiny little bits this week, but we're, we're getting there. No, it was a good one. It was interesting in Kermit's introduction that they were referring to uh, Milton's career as uh, the golden age of television. Mm. Which is quite interesting because it's, it's, you know, particularly over the last, you know, I'd say decade or so, that's very much been a, 
a phrase that's bandied about for the age of TV that we're in right now. And it's just funny to think like people thought that of the 50s and 60s where they were watching the, the Texaco Star Theatre or, you know. No, completely. I thought that too. Like it's, I don't think it's quite like every generation thinks they have a golden age of television or anything, but mm. I guess television's been around long enough now that it's had two golden ages, but for very different kinds of shows i mean mm. I, I don't think mad men would have got on air in the 50s <laughs> <laughs> no probably not well i don't know actually i suppose it could but it wouldn't be like oh look at us ironically looking at uh <laughs> all of this uh, terrible behavior it'd be like ringing endorsements yeah <laughs> it'd be like peggy would remain a secretary <laughs> all the way through well yeah exactly but that's like Exactly, like so many of the shows of the gold, like what we now refer to as the golden age, are because they've got amazing, complex characters and storylines. Mm. And actually, that original golden age was by and large just because they made you laugh and yeah, <laughs> you know, was was very straightforward family entertainment. Yeah, well, as we all learned from being the Ricardos, uh, making people laugh is an incredibly serious business. <laughs> a shocker of a film <laughs> absolutely hated it <laughs> just wanted to get that out there just wanted to get that on record, <laughs> on I hated record. Being the Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> it's just i don't know i don't know why you'd oh, oh. end of sentence i just don't know why you'd yeah. I don't know why... <laughs> was there i remember seeing like a made for tv movie one time and I remember Emma, it pretty she... much was a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> oh. This this should have been basically a movie of the... It should have been like that shitty Audrey Hepburn biopic where Jennifer Love Hewitt plays Audrey Hepburn. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so bad. Emma and I watched it, and she's doing this terrible accent. God knows where she thinks oh. Audrey Hepburn is from. <laughs> she thinks she's from London. And then it's got What's-His-Face from Will and Grace in it playing... um. Is it Mel Ferrer? Yeah. <laughs> I never know how to say his name. Mel Ferrer? Mel Ferrer. Oh, that's probably it. And like, oh God, I just remember her, them, them doing the, the filming of the beginning of Breakfast at Tiffany's and then her falling off a horse. And it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's it. It was really bad. Oh. I think the best like t- made-for-TV movie we've seen is that one that we saw that was the Judy Garland one that was based on Lorna Luff's autobiography. That Judy Davis as Judy Garland and also um, Tammy Blanchard as young Judy. She's uncanny, Tammy Blanchard as young Judy. It's kind of crazy. I think it's all on YouTube uh, if people want to look it up. It's called Me and My Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Life with Judy Garland. It's very good. <laughs> That was far better than being the Ricardos. <laughs> famous comedian, famous natural comedian, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> rubber-faced Lucille Ball. <sighs> it's very... Babaloo! Anyway. <laughs> very right, let's strange. move on to Milton's before I can t- entirely run out of energy getting angry about... Uh, <laughs> being the Ricardos. I want to I start by talking about this, by talking about the light blue sparkly voile that he was standing in front of for mm. his monologue. Where has that come from? Did he bring it with him? Because... <laughs> I, know, I thought exactly the same, Jade. I was like, wait a minute, where are we? And then he and then the they had the red car. car. <laughs> yeah, then they had like the red curtains, didn't they? 
He was like, I'm not dealing with those red curtains. They're not uh, they're not light Saturday night entertainment enough for me. I want the blue voile. Yeah, I thought it was a nice choice, though. Actually, if it's a directorial choice, it was nice to break it up a little from uh, not just having him stand in front of a red curtain. It gave it gave it a bit more of a, I don't know. Energy, energy. You didn't give it energy. What am I talking? It gave it something. It gave it some zazz. It gave it some zazz. I think it did just make it feel like a Saturday night seventies mm. TV show. Do you know? Like it just like if you'd have seen Tommy Cooper or someone walk out in front of that or, or Brucey, you know, you would have felt yeah. I was just about to say Bruce completely yeah. like this is in this realm. Mm. Whereas, yeah, obviously, normally when we've seen people do stuff in front of the red curtain. It does still feel very, oh, it's the Muppet Show and such as such is on the Muppet Show. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I burped and I could taste the vine leaves that I ate like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, God, I can't wait I'm to listen back apart. to this episode. <laughs> I guess just, I just burped. I was like, ooh, Demardis. <laughs> I know. Who's editing this one? Is it you, Joe? <laughs> yes, I can edit this one and try and... Uh, <laughs> Pick out the treasure. Yeah, make, you, <laughs> make you and the rest of us sound coherent. <laughs> oh, it's fine. You can keep it in. <laughs> Maybe not all no, of it. <laughs> just the gems. Just pan for gold, Jake. Pan for gold. Just the, the nuggets. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this sketch. I thought it was better than any of the Wardorf and Statler fuzzy heckling material. It was really well written. Yeah, there was a really good like patter between them all mm. and I just thought they played off one another really, really well. And as much as we saw, uh, you know, as we were reading and saying about Milton Bell apparently being a terror, it's quite uh, like magnanimous of him to to be so heckled do you know what i mean like he doesn't even necessarily win the argument um it's uh i, I was quite um surprised by that so i think there might be a very good reason uh why this all happened because i was thinking exactly the same thing and then i spotted that statler and wardorf were actually inspired by a character who was called sydney spritzer who was played by irving benson who would heckle Milton Berle on his show in the 60s on an ABC series that he had. Oh, oh. Jay, good research. So I think they were obviously playing on that, the fact that Statler and Waldorf were literally inspired by something from a Milton Berle show, and then they had Milton wow. Berle. So, oh, so like him being heckled is a regular bit that he does. Yeah, anyway. I think so. But also, like, I guess that specific style of patter, I guess if mm. that's what they were basing Statler and Waldorf on, must be very him as well. Yeah, they might even be... So, actually, maybe that explains why the writing might have suddenly felt so good. Maybe they borrowed a bunch of jokes from previous like the bit where it's like you got a car i like so it's really it was brilliant it was really really strong and i agree with you completely which was that statler and wardorf had all of the punchlines all Mm. of the jokes he didn't seem phased by that at all he seemed genuinely totally game to go along with it to play that aging comedian on stage who's who is being heckled and yeah okay it's all a bit knowing and whatever but he actually played it very kind of straight didn't he really like it 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 was only at the end that he started laughing a little bit and it but again that was quite nice to see that 
he didn't seem to be that upset about it at all. He was cracked up. Mm. He was like, yeah, look at look at these guys go. This is like, this is comedy gold. Yeah, and it was really, really good. I also thought it was quite nice when Gonzo came on on the end. He was like, help you out. Like, I'll show you the mm. exit. That was really funny. And we got a little Gonzo nose pull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think we've seen. I, I can't recall having seen anybody do that yet. No, I don't think so. No, it was really, really strong. It felt really good. And I also, I admired the, technically, they'd thought about how they could film it so that they could have him and Statler and Waldorf in shot and having that shot from behind Milton looking mm. up to the balcony. They're up so high. Mm. Really high. Yeah, really high, really high. Yeah. Well, it is a box. I, you know. I know, but you know, it's. <laughs> I was still surprised by how high up it mm, was. Yeah, but it's again. I suppose it's building that world, and then also showing off a little bit that they're they're moving the tech and the cinematography and everything along that they're able to do that because I I cannot imagine them doing something like that in the first season. No, like it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't be there, would it? Mm. I I thought as well for like a first sort of guest sketch it was really solid because you know we've seen previous episodes where we've seen the sort of first thing that a guest is doing and it's been pretty underwhelming and I actually thought this was like a really solid good snappy piece I would even go far as to say it's the funniest written sketch for a guest that we've seen so far (sighs) possibly I'm just thinking if there's other ones that have made me I feel like some of the business, uh, some of the talk spots, but uh, yeah, maybe not as an actual like on stage. Mm. I think like, the only thing I, I was kind of comparing it to was Bruce Forsyth, to be honest. Yes. yes, but I think this was better than that. Well, one of the things that Bruce's end bit had that this didn't was Bruce was making quite a lot of topical references, wasn't he? Yes. He, there was that joke about, was it Starsky and Clutch? Yeah, he called them he Scott, oh, um, yeah. Starsky and Crutch, didn't he? Crutch, sorry, not clutch. I was like, I don't think it's clutch because that makes no sense. Crutch makes much more sense. <laughs> but there were, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of that was there. Mm. So I think that is another reason it probably still feels a bit stronger now because it's not loaded with random 1970s references that no one knows. Yeah. Sorry, I just got this. <laughs> I got distracted because the sun has come through and now I have this beautiful colour on my you face. You do have a beautiful glow. <laughs> fucking radiant. Like, like... Emma still looks like pebbles. <laughs> Jade's actually sunk fully to the floor. <laughs> and I'm just sat on the floor cross-legged. <laughs> uh, my hungover self was very relieved to see my beautiful Muppet newsman wanted to gently place my hands onto his nose. <laughs> Didn't think the joke was up to much though. It was... Very throwaway, wasn't it? This joke about Mary Clandall and her cat or son inheriting her all of her earthly possessions and her son's getting 10,000 rubber mice. Okay, fine. Yeah, like... What? Don't really understand how that made the news. <laughs> <laughs> also, why is he not briefed on what he's covering for the show? <laughs> he's in a hurry, it's breaking news! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> He's only just got handed those papers and he's just going to sit down and read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was it was nice to see him, but quite forgettable in an episode that had much stronger stuff going on. Yes. Speaking of, we get our first ever appearance of Pigs in Space. 
starring the very cute and extremely dangerous Miss Piggy. I loved that. <laughs> that was amazing. I loved that intro. And we have um, Link, Hogfrob, and Dr. Strangepork. Dr. Julius Strangepork. Such a great name. I amazing. Know. I love this so much. <laughs> it's a gorgeous little set and they love their little outfits. So cute. So cute. I know. I literally wrote snazzy outfits. Yeah. Actually, hold on. Did I say that this aired on the 14th of October? I think I did. Yes. This aired on the 14th of October, 1977. So you would have had half a month to turn one of those outfits into your Halloween outfit for 1977. Do you know know what was really weird, Dade? I was watching this and I was like, if we ever say this about a Halloween outfit again, I was like, I want a pigs and space outfit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going as Miss Piggy. No. That's fine, Lewis. We'll just we can all go as Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just three Miss Piggies in her Pigs in Space outfit. They were really cool outfits. The set was amazing as well. Like such a step up from the veterinarian's hospital set, I guess, is the closest we've had in that terms of it riffing on a TV yeah. genre. The yeah. uh the uh, spaceship swine trek yes amazing loved it yeah because it was kind of simultaneously parodying star trek and lost in space yeah which was an intro i've never watched any lost in space apart from maybe like 25 minutes of the terrible uh movie they made in the 90s with um matt leblanc and mimi rogers oh i think i might have seen some of that as well (laughs) and um i think what's his name's in it um gary oldman what? I think Gary Oldman. I think he is. Yeah. Um, playing um, uh, Doctor Doctor Smith. No, Doctor. Oh, what's his name? Doctor. I think it is Doctor Smith. I could look it up. I won't. I just like the robot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen any of it ever, including that terrible sounding movie. <laughs> and I never watched any of the Netflix one, even though it had Parker Posey in it. I was like, this. I don't need this. <laughs> It's the golden age of television, Lewis. There's too golden much choice. Golden television, baby. <laughs> Pink TV. Too many shows. Pink TV. Get Parker Posey off of Lost in Space and get her into yellow jackets. Oh my God, Parker Posey would be amazing in yellow jackets. I'd be <laughs> so here for that. Yeah. Um, I clocked a, um, we got a Miss Piggy, oh brother. Yes. Uh, like into her hands, which I always uh, appreciate. I like that Piggy now feels she's kind of above this material. Oh, and <laughs> she is flying in this episode. She is absolutely far and away above absolutely everybody. To the extent that at the end of the first ever Pigs in Space, we get Piggy saying something along the lines of, you know, I said that at the beginning of this dumb sketch and getting annoyed. Yeah, I, I wrote that as well. I was like, Piggy says dumb sketch. <laughs> I mean, that feels so muppety to me. They're calling attention in a meta way, but it's also not done in an overly kind of intellectual way. It's just for a, it's mm. just for a yet another gag that Piggy's like, oh, I'm fed up with this. I'm a star and this sketch is stupid. And I already told you that it was Gonzo on a motorbike and you didn't listen to me. <laughs> Yeah, and then we get another bit of Gonzo. Yeah. <laughs> which is lovely. And it was just Gonzo on a motorbike. It was like, <laughs> and it was his headlamp in space. It was funny. It was like, it was a good, just so random, but yeah, great, yeah. great ending. 
And then following on from that messiness, we had Link shutting his nose in the door and then Fozzie doing the same backstage and Kermit again calling it out saying, no, that won't work. We've just done that. It's like, I don't know. The writing just feels like it's come on leaps and bounds, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And what a fun little (laughs) subversion where Fozzie shuts the door and then just lifts lifts up a little panel of it. Lifts the flap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was great. It was. It was very cute. So we go from this into, well, the first version of The Entertainer, which is uh, Milton's version with Rolf on the piano. Ah, Rolf. (laughs) (laughs) The Entertainer, right? Yeah, that's the name of the song. You know, most people don't know that there are words to that song. Yeah, that's true. You know what they're about? Mm. They're about the stars and the performers and the entertainers that appeared during the heyday of vaudeville. Hey, you used to be in vaudeville, didn't you? Yeah, sure I was. But when I was a kid. How many performances did you do in vaudeville? Oh, I'd say between 80,000 and 100,000. Wow. (laughs) You were really the entertainer, weren't you? One of them, yeah, one of them. Many, many fond memories. Now the curtain is gone up. The entertainer is taking a bow. He does his dance set and sings his song. Even gets the audience to sing along. I quite like the patter at the beginning where Milton's like, did you know there's actually a song? It's not just a piece of music. And then he kind of does his Rex Harrison talk speaking. Sing talk. Yeah. Sing talking. And then you got the little chorus of Muppets. But I thought it was a really, really sweet piece. It was nice. And although it was kind of funny seeing Fozzie in the crowd when he was like, I'm hiding from Milton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I enjoyed it. What did you guys think? I really liked it too. I loved it. I mean, look. You know me, I love some, like, somebody gently plays a piano while somebody monologues about what it was like back in the day. <laughs> it's it's very much in my in my wheelhouse. Um, but just him talking about vaudeville and 80,000 or 100,000 shows and just, it's just, I love the vibes. It's good vibes for me. I really liked it. Yeah, I've, I felt like it was very, like, that Muppety sentimentality nostalgia that we've talked about before Mm. yeah and there also seemed to be a real reverence for him Mm. as well and a recognition which they'd already done but a recognition of his contribution to (laughs) the business of show to continue (laughs) (laughs) to paraphrase uh, (laughs) Kenneth Branagh in an insufferable interview But I, I, yeah, I thought it was really, really sweet and lovely. And I think the reason that Fozzie was in the chorus, even though it didn't make any sense, you know, with the backstage runner, all of those Muppets were performing Muppets. You know, we had Lydia back again. Mm. We had a Borsalino brother in there. We had the little clown one, which I know we haven't seen before, but I think they were all obviously meant to be sort of like vaudeville type Muppets, weren't they? What are yeah. you laughing at now? Uh, just, you saying that just made me look at my notes and I put, the clown with the star eyes, is this euphoria? <laughs> like, who are you trying to make a reference to me down with the kids? <laughs> cool eye makeup, are you in euphoria? 
<laughs> Aren't drugs cool? <laughs> Are we going to have to put the Steve Buscemi meme on this one for you, Lewis? <laughs> I am the walking Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I am. How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> I met a kid at the Madonna night yesterday who was dressed as American Life Madonna, who was 19 years old. And I was like... Oh my God. Like... He was like four when her album came yeah. out. <laughs> like, yeah. Wasn't even bought. Wait, two thousand three. No, probably not. Oh god! Like he was like what? He was a baby. <laughs> it's like he was a baby. I was like, being a young Madonna fan is my bit. <laughs> get the, get out. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Knocking on the door of th- nearly thirty. <laughs> I've got many more months until 30 thank you <laughs> i don't know about many more a few we don't more. know when this episode is coming out <laughs> 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 oh yeah no i i really liked this version of the entertainer and i've also noted down that obviously it is the second time that we've heard the entertainer on the muppet show because phyllis did her version of it with the Oh, saxophone. Yeah, with the sax. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Wow, I they totally must love this song. <laughs> well, they do because then we get the third version of it. <laughs> yeah. I was say, do we think this song is out of copyright? Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. 100%. Yeah, I <laughs> but I never knew that. I never knew it had words. Because obviously I've had. I was like, I never knew it had words. Yeah. This version with Miss Piggy was. Excellent. Yeah. I cannot believe that it was UK spot. Me neither. So Again, sad. another piece of really good material that they put as the UK spot. Ralphie, <laughs> would you play that song again for moi? Sure. Now the curtain is going up. The entertainer is taking her bow Does her dance step and sings her song Even gets all the audience to sing along Yes, she knows just what she must do Knows how to bring down the house when she's through Snappy patter and jokes She knows what pleases the folks The entertainer, the star of the show What's up there, Rob? I just loved it. I loved like Rolf's reactions to her when she started like practically twerking and like yes. launched herself onto the piano as well. There was, it was just some so puppeteering funny. of Piggy. It was, I mean, so good. It was absolutely amazing. The way that it built up, that she sort of started all sweetness and light. Could you kindly play it again? And then <laughs> ramped up, you know, was very much emphasizing the she and the her. And like, yes, I'm talking about myself. And then yeah. she couldn't contain it any longer. And she had to release the full I know. diva. Like full on fossy. She went crazy. <laughs> And I loved Rolf's little interjections of like a born ham and bring home the pork. <laughs> yes. That's like nice. I thought it was quite racy as well. Like the way that she was like shaking her maracas and like you said, Emma, she was basically twerking. And I don't know if Piggy today would be allowed to dance in quite that uh, <laughs> same no. manner. She'd go crazy, but not maybe as sexually as that. <laughs> Seemed quite charged. <laughs> 
but it was amazing and i couldn't i could not stop laughing and then at the very end when she started doing the chorus line kicks i was just just in hysterics yeah it was really really fun and so like so much so that i did not mind at all that we were just getting this basically the yeah, song again the same in the song. same setup like i didn't mind <laughs> I think because it was such a different energy, wasn't it? Like yeah. the other version in a way almost seemed, especially like the way that the lighting went quite dark at the end and he was singing about taking his last bow and all of that. Like that almost seemed very much sort of like a thank you. That was kind of like an Im- like a memorial version. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Piggy's was like, no, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here now. <laughs> Yeah, great. Um, can one of you tell me why in my notes underneath the third backstage gag I've written, small boy I've never seen before? Oh, I don't know. No, I don't have that either. <laughs> this is the one with um, Fozzie in the somewhat anti-Semitic beard and nose. Does somebody say small boy? Maybe Fozzie says it to Scooter. Oh, Isn't he might say he this? might say that to Scooter. Yeah, because he's pretending he's... He's pretending to be someone else, isn't he? Okay, cool. Yes. Great. I didn't know if I'd had like a small aneurysm. No, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I think he does say that. Yes, I, uh, Jade, also thought there was a slight kind of um, Hasidic Jew yeah. uh, sort of vibe to the outfit. It definitely had like stereotypical yes. Jewish vibes to it, didn't it? The, um, yeah. the, the get up. Yeah, it was, it, I was glad that it was, uh, he wasn't wearing it for long. That it sort of yes. came and went very quickly, and that there were no yeah. additional jokes about what he looked like because I was like, "Where are we going with this?" Yeah, 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 I was the same. I was literally like, "Oh, please no!" Yeah, but luckily we got off it very quickly and went to Zelda Rose and her singing owl. Oh my god, I love that owl so much. <laughs> it would be like me if I was doing a song. <laughs> Wait, are you the owl or are you Zelda Rose? I'm the owl. You're Zelda Rose. Oh, God's <laughs> sake, Emma. in this gave me real lady button vibes from ghosts fanny like i could literally see like you're talking to the wrong people i don't think either of us watched neither ghosts. of you watched ghosts oh my god ghosts is so good it's so so funny i watched a couple of episodes on a plane and i was like okay no, 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 I, maybe it wasn't the right um like environ because it's a I mean, I don't know what you mean, Jade. I watched Hello, My Name is Doris on a plane and cried three times. <laughs> yeah, but that's different. <laughs> oh, like... that's so sad, that film. <laughs> I, know, I watched it on Netflix a week ago and I was still like, why am I watching this? It makes me so upset. <laughs> I, I saw it because it was like recommended for you. And I was like, I can't. I just can't watch it. <laughs> you don't know me at all, algorithm. 
Um, no, to me, Ghost is like a warm hug of a show, which I don't necessarily know is the kind of thing that I want to watch on a plane or also in the sort of stark environment of a plane, if it's going to have the same impact, is is all I meant. Mm. And also, I'm just going to say, Jay, because I know you mentioned it in last week's episode, but this is the second episode where we've actually got someone auditioning, haven't yes. we? Very exciting. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, this was Abby Hadfield's audition um, and she did Zelda so she puppeted Zelda and then also did the voice which is why which is also another reason I think I probably get Lady Button vibes from it because I'm guessing Abby Hadfield was a very proper English lady who uh, who enunciated correctly and went into puppets well well she didn't but in this she did Zelda Rose she also did the green frackle in the ugly song number she was Lydia and a female whatnot in um the entertainer I had a quick look on Muppet Wiki about her. Thank you, Muppet Wiki. And it said that her background was actually in Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm. And apparently she had like guest roles on things like Corrie later. So I don't think she ever did go fully into puppetry or anything, but she was a, a long time performer. A jobbing actress. Yes, yes. We've all been known to pick up a puppet when <laughs> when times are hard. But I thought she did a cracking job of Zelda Rose. Mm. Uh, the song, I, I enjoy the song too. Um, is it just called Who? Yeah. yeah. So there's a, Judy Garland does a number to this in one of those kind of uh, Follies musicals where they just have basically all of their stars on their roster just do like one or two songs. It's really gorgeous. People should look it up. Uh, she wears this lovely like yellow gown and there's just like a bunch of men dancing around her. It's really nice. Well, it's from Sunny, the musical. And I think the reason that, I think when Judy Garland did it, it was because it was in the musical that was on Hammerstein's work and career and so she because uh, this is a Harbach and Hammerstein song so I think I think Hammerstein Hammerstein sorry Hammerstein uh yeah I think that's what that comes yeah. from but uh, people should look it up Judy looks gorgeous in it it's very good and then we get the last bit of backstage business which starts with Fozzie hiding under the desk <laughs> Which really made me laugh the way that he popped up from behind the desk and seemed to be looking over his shoulder every which way to make sure that Milton wasn't creeping up on him. Yeah. And then I I loved that he then, when Milton was coming, decided to hide behind the randomly but very conveniently placed basket. (laughs) The wicker trunk. Yes. But it was, again, it was interesting and clever staging that Fozzie was on this side of the trunk, so therefore downstage to the camera nice um thanks just making sure it's the right way around um i thought this was this was cute and another one of those bits of backstage business that runs into the the final number Mm. in the same way that say ethel merman's did yeah yeah it's again it's it's that harking back to the 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 love of the business wiggle yes. show like the you know them starting the song around that trunk is very uh I, I can't believe i keep managing to bring her up but the judy garland show where she always does her number where she's like propped up on a trunk and then even just the phrase baggy pants comic i really enjoy because it just so immediately evo- you know exactly what it means and what it's evoking and that kind of vaudevillian you know old-timey comedian come on fuzzy follow me huh come on if you want to be the top banana, you gotta start from the bottom of the bucket. You gotta know the joke about the farmer's diet. Then take it in the kisser with the soul go water. 
you want to be a burlesque comic. It's basic training for you to take a punch. You gotta roll your eyes and make a funny face and do a take and holler. This must be the play! If you want to be the comic, you gotta start from the bottom up. I mean, even the song and the business I really enjoyed because even the gags that weren't too strong, they were kind of groaners anyway do you know what I mean like it was part of the bit definitely I mean I thought there was something a little bit odd in some of the pacing of the gags if I'm perfectly honest Mm. there were times obviously that neither of them were on screen and you had a few dead seconds um which I just thought watching it now was a little bit peculiar because you never have that now they'd edit it so that it was at least one person on screen all the time and that there was there was that sort of constant dynamism and movement mm. but actually like you said the the gags were all yeah. were all fine at the worst they were fine and at the best they were there was some amusing stuff in there and and th- they just had such great interaction didn't they fozzy was just on top form as fozzy and milton was really playing to him like they did feel yeah. like a comedy act he was also um playing out a few times yes. and i won- and i was trying to wonder again now knowing that milton burl is a dick um whether he was actually getting a reaction from the camera crew or he was doing pretend playing out i'd love the idea that he's doing this like oh you'll you'll like this one and there's just like some disinterested crew member just like standing there in a headset just like <laughs> <laughs> just reading the paper <laughs> yeah just well and truly done with this with this week with milton burl <laughs> What did you think, Emma? I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed like Fozzie and Milton's interactions and the gags and obviously when they used the props as well, you know, like when he had the hanger and he was like, I lost the suit. I mean, that was pretty great. Do you know what? I, I, I did laugh. I was like, damn it, he got me. Yeah, and I like the bit where like Fozzie took off his hat and his little ears like wiggled as well. That was quite cute. Yeah, I thought Fozzie's ears weren't going to wiggle anymore. I was like, oh. They still, they still wiggle. They Yay. can still do that. Yeah. One gag I didn't understand, and I wonder whether you guys can work it out. His first gag when he says he's taking that box to court. The case. The case. He's taking the case he's to court. He's taking the case to court. Oh. Would we call that a case? <laughs> I don't know. But that's what it he said. It looked more like a, it didn't look Crate. anyway. Okay, fine. <laughs> There's also something a bit interesting about this song, Top Banana, so it comes from the musical Top Banana. Oh, come on. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> which starred Phil Silvers, who was another very well-known comedian in the mm. 50s and 60s. And the show Top Banana, and as it was written for Phil Silvers, was based on the character of Milton Berle. So there's, again, something quite meta going on here, mm. where basically Milton Bell is dressing up. It, that, that costume that he puts on, as well as it harkening back to traditional vaudeville, it also is very much how Phil Silver's character was in Top Banana. And that character is based on Milton Bell. Oh, well, so that's maybe crazy. that's why in like all of his bits, he's giving it 100%. Yeah. He's like, this is my it's material. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. He's not dialing it in. (laughs) I just thought that was like, again, I suppose audiences of the time would probably have recognised that far more than than we all did. But like the the sort of influence and the layers and and also the amount of stuff that's come out of his work is 
is quite extraordinary, really. Mm. Yeah. But then I suppose in a way, though, it's a bit because obviously we've not really seen anything of him. So we didn't know the context. We didn't realise he was essentially just doing his bits. Mm. That us now, when we see certain people and we see them on different TV shows, they essentially just play the same person or they are kind of recycling the same bits. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'd be curious to know how much this is just him versus how much this is him doing a impression of someone else doing an impression of him inception layers on layers we're in the we're, layers we're, on we're layers. in the milton bell universe <laughs> we're in the milton bell the, mil- the miltiverse oh my god the miltiverse oh my god i'm a genius <laughs> the uncle miltiverse uncle miltiverse <laughs> All right. If there's nothing else to be said, let's. I think we. I'm. I'm falling. I'm. The night is fading fast. <laughs> I think we should. Just, before I uh, collapse onto this microphone, are there any more clo- Any more closing thoughts before we get to ranking? No. I just. The, I think you're going to have to get your stamina up because this has only been one hour and seven minutes, and we've not even talked that much about the actual <laughs> Muppet Show. So we've uh, probably talked more about a little Prince Judy. Judy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least it will be a nice little tangent episode. <laughs> yeah, like, we're nothing if not consistent in our ability to talk about anything other than the Muppets on our Muppet podcast. <laughs> God, I can't talk Muppet podcast. All right, Emma, any more closing thoughts or I'm just going to I'm, I'm gonna get to any other business? <laughs> AOB. 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 Fine, let's move on. All right. Uh, <laughs> Before we get to our rankings, we must do our MVMP, our Most Valued Muppet Performer for the episode. Emma, why don't you kick us off and tell us why you like Fozzie so much this week? Oh, yeah. I mean, I do love Fozzie, but actually, I think my MVMP this week is going to be Miss Piggy. Purely because of her amazing entrance in (laughs) Pigs in Space. Fantastic. Number one. Number two, her version of The Entertainer was just phenomenal. I loved it so much. She was great. And also her interactions uh, with Rolf. I mean, you know. So, yeah, I think for this episode, Miss Piggy is my MVMP. How about you, Jade? I'm going Piggy too. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) I just couldn't get over how great she was in the entertainer so good when i found out that was the uk sport i was like i have to give it to her because the thought that everyone in america did not originally see this is quite frankly heartbreaking and i know it's now on disney plus so everyone can watch it anyway but she needs some kudos for that it was it was absolutely amazing and it was so lovely to see pigs in space for the first time as well when we've spoken about the mvmp before It's this idea that a Muppet can come on, not actually have that much of a starring role in the whole episode, but still steals the show. And that was totally Mm. Piggy for me this week. So yes, Miss Piggy, which I think means I've given it to a Frank Oz character for the first three episodes of this season. So we'll see whether that continues. (laughs) (laughs) I will try not, I will try to give it to somebody else next week. Uh, Yeah, but Piggy. How about you, Lewis? Are you going Fozzie then? Well, I just to keep it, give it a bit of variety, I'm going to go for Fozzie. Just because I, I think it's because when we compare Fozzie to, you know, how he was in season one, 
Yeah. This could have very easily have fallen back into sad sack fuzzy, but it wasn't. It was adorable. It was cute. It was funny. It's they've mm-hmm. really hit their stride with Fozzie's characterization now since season one, and I think uh, I just yeah, I I thought he was cute as a button. So uh, that's why I'm picking him as my MVP. All right, let's do these rankings. <laughs> Papa needs to go have a nap. <laughs> All right, let's keep let's keep it tight. Let's keep <laughs> let's, let's keep our thoughts minimal. <laughs> we've got let's keep our thoughts minimal <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> oh god! Oh no! Now I'm laughing too much and I need to pee. Right, Jay, quick, do your ranking before I piss myself. Okay, so this is clearly a, a a considerably better episode than the first two of this season. You know, we've touched, I'm going to say we've touched on them. I don't know if we went into too much detail about the writing and everything, but uh, no, I'm joking. It's so, so much of a stronger episode than the first two. But having said that, I'm not 100% sure it's as good for me as some of the episodes that I absolutely adored from that first season, like, for instance, the Ethel Merman or the Bruce Forsyth. So I'm going to go for six and a half Desert Springs, Vermont Humane Societies, <laughs> which was uh, where Zelda Rose had been performing nice. recently. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to write that down as well. And then literally I was like, that's too many words. There's too many down. words. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's clearly a big step up. I, you know, like I was just talking about Piggy, the UK sport and Pigs in Space were so great. Milton's Entertainer was fantastic. The the opening bit with him and Statler and Waldorf was really great. And I enjoyed most of Top Banana. Um, Had some issues with the pacing, like I mentioned a minute ago. The Ugly Song for me didn't quite cut it just because I felt like there was no finesse to the staging and they it mm. wasn't really fought through. Similarly, I think there were some sort of throwaway bits like the Muppet News Flash, which eh, I know they can do that better. So I still feel like they there's room for improvement. They've got such a solid foundation now from this episode, but you know it's tightening up the bits for the songs and the sketches and everything as well. Uh, so yeah, six and a half Desert Springs Vermont Humane Societies. Emma. What's your rating for this week? Well, my rating for this week is the same as you, actually. Six and a half swine treks out of ten. I thought it was quite a solid episode overall. Um, It had like a quite a good snappy pace to it. And I thought it was quite fun. I thought Milton was a really good guest. Um, It was lovely to kind of see Fozzie in his element. And like I said earlier, my MVMP Miss Piggy and her, you know, amazing turns in Pigs in Space and when she did her entertainer. And I just thought it had a really nice flow to it, this episode. And I think there wasn't any kind of big dips in anything that we saw, like we've seen previously in some of the episodes. And I thought it was sort of fairly strong throughout. Um, So, yeah, that's why I decided to give it six and a half swine treks out of ten. How about you, Lou? So I'm going to go slightly higher than you both. I'm going to go seven enormous Milton Burl penises out of ten. Do you know, I was just thinking we've managed to get to the end of the episode without mentioning that again. I should have known. We should have known, Jade. We should have known. If there's one thing I can do, Jade, always bring Dick into the conversation. Um, I This episode really vibed with me. I really enjoyed Milton as a guest. I thought the writing was so strong in his guest uh, segments. 
Piggy was fantastic. We got the start of Pigs in Space. The runner wasn't annoying and led into the final song, which gives a nice narrative to the whole episode. And even though, yeah, the ugly is beautiful or whatever it was called was a bit meh, uh, everything else I really liked. And, you know, I gave Zelda Rose my MVMP last week from an appearance in the crowd and then she suddenly gets to pop up and it's on stage. So, you know, it's it's a win-win for me. So, yeah, I, I'm i going for seven Milton <laughs> Pearl penises of ten. Can't wait to write that in the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm glad it's your Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> gonna need, gonna need another bigger spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, right, Jade, book club corner, gone. <laughs> so I wasn't 100 percent sure what to go for for this week, but something brief. <laughs> um, it's quite brief. It's relatively brief. Um, okay. But I, well, as me and Emma have both said, we both love Piggy this week, and I thought you know, off the back of her performance this week, we'd all be talking about how great Piggy was. So um, I've picked a, I've picked a little segment that's... <laughs> and instead we talked about Judy Garland. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and my fear of um, a little princess. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've picked a segment that's, that's talking about Frank Oz and his work with Piggy and his... I guess sort of his relationship with the character a little bit as well. Uh, So this is from Of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch. Miss Piggy is a whole stew of emotions and insecurities which have rendered her sensitive to every imagined slight. The difficulties that Frank Oz experiences working with Piggy are easy to imagine, since it is Piggy herself who possessed the drive that brought about her stardom, and it is the audience that has defined the terms of that stardom. Oz must struggle to make her live within those parameters while, at the same time, retaining control of her, if one can, in fact, remain in control of a character who is, must be, constantly on the verge of losing control. Oz has to believe in her and her stardom so that she can believe in herself, yet he must remain objective, must keep in mind all her flaws and weaknesses so she can remain vulnerable. With her, he is constantly walking a tightrope. The biggest danger one that would be all too easy to fall into, is the temptation to make Piggy a camp figure. Fortunately, Oz's innate intensity and seriousness tend to counteract this. That's quite interesting, because on the one hand, Piggy is camp, but sometimes it's more just camp in look and visual. I'm usually just thinking of like 1980s Miss Piggy when she has like the really like curly hair, yeah. rather than actually in action that's quite interesting i've never really thought about that i think she in terms of her action and her sensibility is not necessarily that camp but mm. her outfits and also just the ways that she can be portrayed mm. can be quite camp like her her musical numbers can be quite camp and yeah her yeah. costumes and everything but actually her as a character she's not sort of innately camp i guess um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was an interesting idea. And I think it is also interesting that this idea of her having her weaknesses and vulnerabilities, because actually she doesn't want to be seen for those. She only wants to be seen for her superstardom. But in a way, what makes her a superstar is actually her foibles. Her vulnerability. Yeah. Just like Judy. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like mama. <laughs> And on that note, 
Thank you so much for listening to Judy Sational. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Judy Sational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Muppet Sational, everyone. And you can contact us at Clang 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 with the trolley at Judy'sPodcast.com. You can find out more about us and the podcast at Judy <laughs> Right, I'm done. That's it. Thanks so much for listening. Love you lots. Um, I've been Lewis Chandler. As Lewis said, that's it. I'm done. The sun must have dropped in London because you look at that. That's so suddenly weird. gone into darkness. That's so bizarre. <laughs> and it's like I'm a canary in a in a cage. It's like it's night time now. No night. It's the microphone, and I'm done. I'm down. <laughs> Uh, please visit us at muppetspodcast.com and I've they been know Jake what it Turner. is they listen to it every week <laughs> <laughs> we're called Muppetsational alright just google it <laughs> we need to go I need to go to the bathroom they're like hurry up Emma we're just waiting for you to say bye <laughs> me? yes yes oh, sorry and <laughs> finish this <laughs> I think I mi- I didn't hear you guys say so sorry. <laughs> Emma, there's still more words that aren't by. <laughs> and it's by right, from me, in later. Emma I don't Tarn. care. <laughs> like Emma's saying the longest goodbye she's ever said ever. Like the fucking Von Trapp kids. Just like, what? <laughs> Why are there so many children singing goodnight? Why can't we just have our cocktail? <laughs> Right, Emma, say bye. She did. Oh, right, right. Bye, everyone. Auf Wiedersehen. Get so long. Bye, everyone. Oh, God. I'm going to press stop now. Yeah, let's press stop. Our theme music is Pepe Pepe by Kevin MacLeod, and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) My hands smell like vodka.